it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Love this podcast because it crushes your dreams of getting rich quick. They actually got me into reading stats for anything. You're tuned in to the Investing for Beginners podcast. Led by Andrew Sather and Dave Ahern. Step-by-step premium investing guidance for beginners. Your path to financial freedom starts now. Starts now. All right, folks, welcome to Investing for Beginners podcast. Today, we have episode 285. Today, Andrew and I are going to talk about reflecting on the process of learning how to analyze stocks. So we're going to talk about kind of our beginnings and the evolutions that we've made along the way, hopefully for the good, and just kind of see what we feel like we've learned over these last five or six years and maybe you guys can learn following along as we kind of interview each other about what we feel like we've done well, what things we've learned, and things of that nature. So it's always kind of fun to reflect back on where you started, where you've come from, and where you are today. So I guess let's start with when you started off, what is a misconception that you felt like when you first started that you now look back on and go, what was I thinking? How much time you got? Which one do you want? <laughs> Pick from basket A, please. <laughs> yeah, for real. I mean, the big one that keeps popping in my head is this idea that I could have my cake and eat it too. So I thought that there was this magical place where I could find the cheapest, dirt cheap stocks that are also the best businesses. And that somehow... By running enough numbers, I could find those magical stocks and make a bunch of money. And that just wasn't the case. Um, There are definitely times where you can find deals that the market's not finding. And there are times where you can be smart, smarter than other investors by just believing in the right companies. But if we look at it as a game of averages, kind of like baseball, right? Like over a long period of time, you're not going to be able to hit a home run every day. So it's similar with the stock market. And I think I just had just maybe a little bit of just overconfidence thinking that because I read a couple books, I had the market figured out and you get lucky long enough. You feel that you can feel that way for a long time, but eventually that catches up with you because this is not reality. No, I don't know. What about you? Oh boy. Again, how much time do you have? I think there's a couple things that kind of stick out to me. Number one, I think is ignorance is bliss. Like you don't realize how much you don't know when you start off. And especially if you pick a couple of companies and do well with them at first, you get this sense of like, this is easy. And it's not, 
And I think I also thought that, well, I guess there's three things. So there's that. There's the idea that kind of like you were saying, you can look at the numbers and you can find these great investments kind of solely by just doing it that way. And that there's always going to be great opportunities staring you in the face. Like it's never going to be hard to find a company to buy or not buy. And I guess the last part of it is, is how much your mental makeup. And I'm not talking about intelligence. I'm talking more about your temperament and your patience and how much, how much those really matter. That was, I was completely clueless about at the beginning. And I have learned since that those are way, way more important than I originally thought they would be. Can you dive into that mental makeup idea? What exactly should a beginner think about when it comes to setting their mental model about, all right, I want to be a stock picker. I want to learn how to pick stocks. How do I set myself up with the right mental, what did you call it? Mental um, framework. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think the things that are going to come into play, especially at the beginning is being patient and understanding that this is the long game and that volatility can be your friend. And by that, I mean that I think, again, the ignorance is bliss. I think I thought when you bought a company, it it would either always go up or always go down. That you didn't realize that you could have three good days in a row and five five bad days in a row and seven good days in a row and 14 bad days all over the map. If you look at the chart in a very small amount of space, you see lots of up and downs. It looks like the craziest roller coaster you could ever possibly imagine riding. And then as you zoom back out, that all starts to smooth out and it becomes longer, less bumpier rides. And as you continue to back that frame up from, you know, maybe a week to 10 years, it becomes a lot smoother. And that's really what you see when you invest with this framework of I'm really trying to invest for a longer period of time. And it doesn't mean that every single company that you buy, you're going to hold for 10 years from the day you buy it to the day you want to sell it. It just means that that's what you want to happen. doesn't mean that the market is always going to grant you that and that the stock market gods are going to say, here you go, Dave, all the companies you buy, you will hold for 10 years and you'll never have one go wrong. You know, I think we've seen enough history recently that that's never going to be the case. So I think patience and having a long-term view and understanding that there are going to be ups and downs for even great companies, Warren Buffett has said many times that he and Charlie have experienced greater than 50% downturns in their stock price of their company over the 56 years that they've owned the company. And they still have held on through that period of time. So that's it's not a bug. It's a feature. It's part of the stock market process. And until you understand that and maybe even experience it a little bit, it's really hard to understand how emotionally taxing that can be to hold on to a company you think is fantastic, but everybody and their brother is telling you this is crap <laughs> and it's, it's gone down a price. It's really hard to do. And I think kind of having that long-term mindset and understanding that you need to be patient and not having activity for activity's sake, I think will go a long ways towards people having sooner success in investing than otherwise stated. That's there's so much good wisdom there. And I hope people take that seriously because it can definitely make the process of investing a lot more enjoyable when you have the right expectation. 
Now, I know you're going to hate me for saying this, but I want you to be negative Nancy for a second. Okay. And tell us what should beginner investors avoid? Like, don't have to call out names, but think about the places or the voices they should not listen to, which mm-hmm. would hinder them from having this long term mindset. Because, you know, there's a lot of voices out there. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of voices. Stay away from the media. Um, I think that's probably the first. And in particular, I'm talking about you know financial news on TV. Their job is to motivate eyeballs. And so they will, if it bleeds, it leads. And that the general rule in the news, but it's also general rule in financial news too. Whatever's sensational, whatever's going to grab the most eyeballs, that is what they're going to lead with and spend a lot of time focusing on. And in many cases, that is the exact opposite mindset to have as well as, I guess, just intake of knowledge that is not generally helpful, especially if you're a new beginner, because you're going to be, it's all new and you're going to be so influenced by so many different, you know, different forces that staying away from that kind of sensationalism, I think will go, can go a long ways towards helping develop those things I was just talking about, patience and having a longer term mindset, because the news in particular does not have a long term mindset. And that can be very detrimental to you. I guess that's one thing. I guess the other thing would be social media. You know, be careful of what you follow on social media because you will have voices on there that are of the similar ilk where they're always focused on the next earnings call or the next earnings release or the next numbers that are released from about a particular company. And while it's important to understand what's happening with your business, it's not important to make decisions based on some reaction you know you could look at what what happened to meta slash facebook over the last year it went from being one of the most unloved companies in the stock market to now one of the most loved companies in the stock market within a year and netflix kind of similar and they've both had fantastic returns over the last i guess you know five or six months but it's better to look at those companies over a long term as opposed to the short term view of what's happening or what the popular opinion is about said company. In some cases, people may be right. In some cases, they may be wrong. They just be maybe following the herd. There's a cartoon I saw a few years ago where they were talking about the best investors. And you had, you know, these people on TV being followed by the herd, you know, like thousands of people all to the left. And then you had, you know, an individual investor walking with like five or six people behind him, you know, kind of thing. And I think that's kind of the perfect illustration. Sometimes sometimes the herd's going to be right, for sure. But in some cases, they're not going to be right. And it's you really just need to learn to, I guess, try to think for yourself and think think about what is going to be best for the business. And something Andrew and I have talked a lot about is, has it fundamentally changed? That's a phrase that needs to kind of stick in your head. Has it fundamentally changed? When you're thinking about earnings, when you're thinking about news, noise, whatever, has it fundamentally changed? Is Netflix still selling streaming services that people pay subscriptions for and are people still liking the shows okay if it's yes then that's easy if it's not then okay there's other things you need to think about but i guess that's those are some of the things i would think about well, let me turn it back on you what some things that maybe you would be negative nancy about to try to avoid for beginners as far as that kind of you know maintaining their mindset budgeting was always a challenge for me i struggled to find the best way to keep track of all of my money Not to mention all the time tracking down receipts, cataloging expenses, and trying to figure out what went wrong with my air quote system until Monarch Money. 
Monarch Money allowed me to easily see what is going on with my finances, helping me get a better handle on my spending, budgets, and more. It's my go-to app every day, more so than my bank, because I can quickly see where I am with my budgets and spending, allowing me to invest more and spend time on the things that I want to do. It's my GPS for money. Monarch is a top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all of your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com beginners. Unlike other personal finance apps, Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to set up, customize, and use. Monarch has built-in features to collaborate with your partner, family, or financial advisor. Invite them to your account at no extra cost, and they'll get their own login info and a joint view of all of your finances. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. Change the layout of your dashboard, toggle between light and dark mode, create custom budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions and notifications, and more. In fact, Monarch Money is one of the first to bring you direct Apple Card, Apple Cash, and savings syncing with the latest iOS 17.4 update. Now you can sync your wallet directly for seamless budgeting. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's a top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash beginners. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash beginners for your extended 30-day free trial. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. I think you hit on probably the biggest offenders. I am particularly grouchy against social media so you won't see me on tiktok so i feel like it doesn't even need to be said that you know i I would i would struggle to find good advice on there yeah i would just consider everything closely like who's this person who's saying this what's their incentive what's their incentive is a great one like what's their track record maybe even uh to go a little bit deeper what are they trying to achieve Versus you. So for example, one of the mistakes I made was, remember, I thought I could have my cake and eat it too. I was trying to mix deep with like a long-term passive. I was trying to buy dirt cheap stocks and hold them for a very long time. But you really only Mm -hmm. want to hold good businesses, not necessarily just bad businesses, which you get a lot of those when you buy dirt cheap stocks. So if you're hearing something that sounds really smart and is actually great advice, but it's coming from somebody who's trying to buy a bunch of cheap dirt cheap stocks and flip them then that might actually not be good advice for you if you're trying to buy the next Microsoft and Apple and just let them do all the work and vice versa right if you're trying to listen to somebody like us and you actually want to be super involved in trading every day so i would just i know it's like you said it's uh, when you're a beginner you're sponge and you're soaking it all in and you kind of have to be like that you also have to be careful about 
how seriously you're taking the different voices and, and every once in a while try to really think deeply about that because I feel like I had to change some mental models from following good advice but it not being applicable to me. Right. Yeah, for sure. So I guess what are some things, what are some things moving maybe beyond the mental models? And let's do this instead. What would be a few other mental models that maybe you would want to try to add to a beginning investor that beyond beyond patience and beyond having a long-term view, what are some other mental models maybe they could hang their hat on that maybe we didn't think of at the beginning I wish I had thought of? I think the power of, I feel like you said this maybe a month ago or so, the power of starting every day investing in yourself and how that can compound over time. That's like investing in yourself and your knowledge, I feel like, is going to be way better for you than even what's the best stock pick right now at this second. Because when you know how to fish, instead of being taught how to fish, Mm -hmm. if you want to be your own stock picker, that's what you got to do. So you got to invest in yourself. So I would, if I was trying to do it, become serious with it, I would really consider taking that beginning part of the day and investing in yourself and and trying to find material that's, like you said, long-term focus, like, teaching you mental models, teaching you fundamental principles, teaching you things that don't change whether the biggest stock in the world is ExxonMobil, like it was 10 years ago, or the biggest stock in the world is Apple. That's the kind of stuff I would look for. That's this lasting, timeless wisdom mm-hmm. that can really compound for you with every investment you make instead of just one or two investments. Yeah. What about you? I would agree with that. The thing I was thinking about when you were kind of talking about that is when we are beginning, we are sponges and we're trying to take in all this knowledge. And I think the thing we need to, I think sometimes it's human nature and I'm sure I know I fall into this is I want to skip to the next step. We have to build the foundation. We have to, you know, use the football term. We have to learn to block and tackle or we have to learn to hit or pitch and catch the ball or you got to learn to dribble. You can't play basketball if you can't dribble. So you have to learn those things before you can go do the other fun stuff. And that's what investing in yourself can really bring you, especially at the beginning. And, and Andrew was talking about timeless wisdom. There's a reason why beginning investors are steered towards people like Warren Buffett, Charlie Munger, Howard Marks, Philip Fisher, Joel Greenblatt. You know, the list can go on and on and on. And maybe some of those things aren't necessarily the first things you should read. But they should be in the early stages of when you become are becoming an investor, and you especially if you want to pick individual stocks, is a lot of the things that they teach are timeless. You know, Warren Buffett has been investing for seventy some years. A lot of the things that he learned when he was twelve are still applicable today. It hasn't changed that much. You know, the the famous phrase "It's different this time." It never really is, <laughs> and. Those bell-bottom jeans that your dad wore in the 70s will become popular again at some point. If he holds on to them long enough, that happened to my dad. So I can I can make fun of that. But the timeless wisdom is timeless because it's timeless. And there's a reason why people are steered towards those people is because they have a lot of wisdom and knowledge that they can pass on that you can use to help build that foundation. And then you can start you know, building on top of that and start really getting into you know, a guy like Michael Mobison, for example who's a fantastic writer, a brilliant teacher, and, you know, w- you know, wickedly smart guy, but he's not a, for beginners. That's just, I tried. I know I came across this stuff my first year in learning this whole stuff. And I remember reading it going, I might as well be reading Martian here. I, 
I didn't understand any of it. So, you know, it's a process and it's like, you know, it's the water dripping on a stone. You have to just continually keep working at it and then knowledge will compound. And by reading through those timeless people like Buffett and Munger and Howard Marks and investor here, they're all those things will continue to just build on themselves. You'll start to notice patterns. You'll start to notice similarities between the things that they're saying and talking about. And they're just maybe different shades of the same thing. And all those things will just help build that base so that you can go out and invest and find, you know, the next Microsoft or Amazon, if that's, you know, your desire. I heard one time a while ago, and this just stuck in my head. The reason that a book has been a bestseller for 40 years, if it's been a bestseller for 40 years, there's a good reason why. So it's to that point of finding the timeless stuff, and it's usually older mm-hmm. because that stuff stands the test of time. It must be really that good to be a bestseller for that many years. Right. Yeah, exactly. You know, Shane Parrish, who's a really smart guy, he said something a long time ago. He said, spend more time with the eminent dead. Mm-hmm. In other words, read a lot of older books because there's so much wisdom in those books that really hasn't changed, even though technologically things may have advanced quite a bit from the 1880s, for example, the way people react and the way people think hasn't changed that much since then. So a smart person in 1880s, a smart person in 2023. So you can learn a lot from that. I want to ask you a question, but I don't know what to ask. I'm drawing a blank. (laughs) So we've talked a lot about like mental frameworks, mental models, kind of how to think about things. We've talked about maybe some knowledge and and things of that nature. When it comes to thinking about numbers, how do you think about numbers now versus how you used to think about them then? And then maybe we could kind of segue from that into talking about maybe how you think about investing in businesses versus just the numbers. Yeah, that's a great question. The numbers are always important. I think the numbers don't lie. For the most part, when they're audited, the chances of them lying are much lower. Does happen, so I won't say never. But the numbers will paint a picture, and it's up to you to interpret that and paint your own picture based off of that. So if you are trying to find a lot of dirt cheap stocks, the numbers work great because you can just stick to those numbers and it's very black and white, and you can flip a lot of different names. And that's a very profitable thing. And there's there's companies out there that can actually do that for you. You know, mm-hmm. like they have their own algorithms and and they will take advantage of stocks that are super cheap. And when it comes to looking at businesses, I think the picture the numbers will tell you they can make things very obvious. Like when you looked at Bed Bath and Beyond, mm-hmm. okay, this company had negative earnings for like four years, revenues were down for four years. That's all in the numbers. Mm-hmm. But I guess it becomes less obvious. When you get the gray area of this company's growing at five percent a year, this one's growing at six percent a year. Well, which one's better? Well, you know, it depends. <laughs> so I don't know if there's an easy answer to it, but I would say that learning as much as you can about the meaning of the numbers before making determinations solely on the numbers, I think can go a really long way. And I feel like that's something you've helped me with a lot by turning me on to the stuff from Domadoran mm-hmm. and learning about the intricacies of free cash flow, all the boring stuff that beginners don't want to hear. But when you kind of discipline yourself to learn, all right, these people talk about this crazy formulas for a reason. Mm-hmm. Let me learn the reason why. And then I can decide whether that's a good way for me to use those numbers or not. I think that can go a long way. I guess I learned, you know, I'll still make snap, snap impulse 
kind of determinations, but try to figure out what the numbers mean, more like your Sherlock Holmes in it versus mm-hmm. like, oh, I see these numbers and I already know what it means. Right. Be more curious rather than being a determined Definitive. judge about it. Yeah. Right. What's the best way to get started in the market? Download Andrew's ebook for free at stockmarketpdf.com. Yeah, I think the way that I've learned to try to think about the numbers is they're trying to tell me a story. And my job is to try to, to determine what that story is. And I have to ask myself out loud, sometimes in a room by myself, questions. And what does this mean? Why is this the way it is? What's driving this? And that curiosity, I think, can help you go a long ways towards becoming a better investor is by trying to determine all those things. And and I think the other thing is really trying hard to understand what the business model is of the particular company. And that's why I think, especially when you're starting, is to focus on companies you can understand easily or that work in industries that you either work in now currently or that you can easily understand And I think once you start to put together the business model and the numbers, I think things start to, not easier, (laughs) but it certainly starts to make more sense. Like you start to understand, okay, you know, we were talking about Netflix a minute ago. They spend a lot of money on content. People subscribe to watch these shows and that's really what drives the business. And if they stop spending money on content, how is that going to affect the subscription business? And if you start to see one drop and the other one drop, you can realize, okay, they're correlated. And it makes sense because their business model, because the only reason anybody subscribes to Netflix is so they can watch the next season of Stranger Things, for example. And not that's not solely it, but you understand the business model of it. Whereas if you look at the business model of AT&T or Verizon, it may not be as clear. And so kind of determining how that business makes money and what they do sometimes can be more challenging and you might have to dig into it. And if it's not something you're interested in, pass. It's okay to pass. That's the big thing is that you don't have to swing at every pitch. You don't have to buy Google because everybody else has. You need to buy Google because you think it's the best business for you to own, not because 17 other people on Twitter own it as well. Or, you know, the... 6,000 people that you follow all own Microsoft. That's the wrong reason to buy it. The reason to buy it is because you understand it, you know how they make money, and the numbers tell you that it's a good good thing to buy. And it's okay to pass. Warren Buffett passes on stuff all the time. You know, he's, he's reading 10Ks every single day coming across investment opportunities, and he passes 99.95% of the time. So it's okay to pass. And I think that's one of the things that I have learned over the years. It's very astute. I feel like we danced around this when we were talking about sectors a few episodes ago. But I think I wonder if a big misconception for beginners is that if I pass on the wrong business, I'm not going to have a chance to beat the market. So, can you kind of speak to that fear of like, I need to be invested in Apple and Microsoft and Amazon and Google and Tesla. Otherwise, there's no way I, I have a chance to beat the market. Right. You think that's valid or, or do you think it needs to be thought of a different way? I think it needs to be thought of a different way because there's a couple of companies I can think of, for example, that have done better than 
Google, Apple, and Microsoft in the market, but they don't get much love outside of maybe concentrated sector and FinTwit. Constellation Software has had 35% returns over the last 10 years compounded. That's ridiculous. And But nobody knows who they are. It's not a big company. It's in Canada. The guy that runs the company is super recluse. And, and uh, it just doesn't get a lot of love in the media or anywhere else outside of a very small select group of people that like the company. And you look at a company like Jack Henry has had 20% compounder returns over the last 20 years. And it's been a great, great investment, but it's always been expensive. And, you know, I don't own it. I'm stupid, but I don't own it. But, you know, I guess my point is, is that, you know, those are two examples of companies you could have done fantastic with that most people have never heard of. So you don't have to just buy everything that everybody else is buying. And I'm not trying to talk you out of buying Apple. And, you know, if you think Apple is a great company, you know, then by all means, but you don't have to just buy those first five or six top ones in the S&P 500 and then everything else. There's lots of great companies that you can invest in and get great returns over a long period of time. And you never know which one's going to be the next thing. Monster Beverage, perfect example. Really super uber, uber small company that's you know been a hunter bagger. And you know most people outside of the drink have never heard of it. And then I didn't realize until a few years ago, it was actually something you could have invested in. You still can, but I just, I didn't know. And, you know, Chris Mayer wrote this, wrote this great book called Hundred Beggars from One to a Hundred. And in that book, he kind of highlights the process to find these kinds of companies. And it's, it's a bit of a different kind of investing than Andrew and I do. But what's interesting in the book is he kind of shows all these companies that have been hundred baggers. So these are companies that have had a hundred, hundred time return over a certain period of time, which is, you know, that's quite good. And a lot of these companies you've never heard of. And there's a few big names in there. Like Berkshire Hathaway is actually one of them and monster beverage. And then I'm blanking on the rest of them. But my point is, is that you can find lots of great, there's lots of great investments you can find without having to invest in the big five or six. You don't have to buy Tesla. You don't have to buy United Healthcare, which would shock everybody that it's in the top 10, but it is. I'm sorry to say, I'm not a fan personally. Investment may, may be awesome, but yeah, bad experiences, whole other conversation. But I guess my point being is that there's lots of different ways to slice the pie to get great returns. You don't have to just follow the same pattern that everybody else is following. And I think to that point, I don't, I can't think of very many top investors who have every big name that there's ever been. I don't no. think there is one. No, I mean, let's take Buffett's portfolio, for example. Coca-Cola, American Express, Apple Now, Wells Fargo, maybe Moody's. You know, these are some of the bigger companies that he owns positions in. None of those are the big names. Well, Apple is, but American Express is not a big name. And I don't think it was at the time. And Coca-Cola is a big name, but I don't know that it was necessarily like one of the top three or four investments at the time. So, and he's had 20% returns or better over the last 56 years. So Howard Marks, same result. Bill Greenblatt, I think his, one of his biggest investments was a hotel and he earned 40% over a 10 year period. There's lots and lots of ways to slice the pie or the cake to find what's going to work for you to get great returns. And you don't have to buy them. I'm not saying you shouldn't, and I'm not saying that they aren't great investments, and they can be, but you have to determine that yourself, I think. I don't know, man. I would rather slice a pie than a cake. 
<laughs> yeah, and, me too. And, and a pie pu- with cheese. By yeah, the way. no, pumpkin pie. Cheese? <laughs> cheese? Oh my goodness. Pumpkin pie with whipped cream is like one of the greatest things on earth. It is good. I, I won't argue that point. You're talking but, about apple pie with cheese on it? No, no, no. I, no, I would I would literally ha- rather have a pizza than a slice oh, of pie right now. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. <laughs> I guess that that's just where I stand on pizza. Okay. I probably wouldn't disagree. All right. I wouldn't disagree. So what are your thoughts on that question? Let me turn it around back on you. Do you feel like that if you do you have to buy the big names to get a good return in the market? No, not at all. And I feel like it kind of comes full circle a little bit about what we were talking about. If you can read older books, if you're going to read books, if you learn about the history of the market, we talk about Buffett buying Coca-Cola. Back then there was companies like General Motors and IBM, everybody was in IBM, everybody was in GE, and everybody thought Buffett was dumb for not being in these companies. But fast forward 20 years and look who looks smarter and and Mm -hmm. who doesn't. So I feel like his track record has been something that you can easily look at and follow through the years and see how actually a lot of the big names end up being bad investments because everybody's piling into them. Mm Mm-hmm. So yeah, I 100% agree. You, you do not, it's hard and we, I think we all face it, but do mm-hmm. not get caught up in this fear of not being in all the best names because it's a pointless fear. You're mm-hmm. going to do fine and you'll probably do better without that. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I agree. All right. So maybe to wrap this up, what would be one, I guess, takeaway that you feel like has helped you become a better investor today than you were when you started in 2014, for example? The advice actually wouldn't change. I would say read, R-E-A-D, read. And I, I did that back in 2014. But when you do that for close to a decade or I guess over a decade, mm-hmm. you will pick up so much stuff. I feel like my best investment has been my Audible subscription. Mm-hmm. Because Audible is a you could get you you get a subscription to Audible, you get a new book every month. And so it's like, you know, some months I slack off and then other months I get more into it. But that habit of like a new book a month mm-hmm. and then kind of spreading it out through just dis- different disciplines. So maybe I'm interested in like the economy w- one time. Maybe I'm interested in the history of the Fed. Maybe I'm interested in, you know, how did Nike come to be? All of these things I think really help in understanding the business world and how it works and ties in with investments. And that's, that's been super huge from reading an annual report to learn about what a business does Mm -hmm. to reading about all the mental models that we've discussed and all the ones we haven't discussed. And the other thing I would say is like having somebody to bounce ideas off of and kind of expose your blindness and your weak spots. That's been so huge. And Mm -hmm. it's a shame that investing such like a solo hobby Right. And and you can really be isolated because not a lot of people get necessarily so into it as, as somebody who enjoys businesses and stocks mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So, you know, I got lucky I got Dave. So I, I don't know how you find your own Dave, but if you can find that person, be intentional in in taking that journey along with them, because I think that will do miles mm-hmm. to your results and, and becoming better and constantly improving. Yeah. I totally agree. I think finding somebody that you can help bounce ideas off of and that can help you think about things that maybe 
you know, everybody has a different pair of shoes and we walk a different mile and everybody's viewpoint is going to be slightly different. You may agree on general terms, but the way people look at things differently can be so helpful for each other's person, especially if you're open to, to receiving that, you know, that viewpoint. And I think that could be so helpful. And, you know, like Andrew said, it's, it's unfortunate that investing becomes it for a lot of people. It's a solo game and you can learn so much from, talking to other people and getting their viewpoint, even if you don't agree, it's still information you can take in and you can absorb and think about how they view different things. You know, one of the, one of my favorite people to read, Michael Mobison, he is one of those infinite curious people. And he reads about things like ant colonies. And, you know, just when you look at that from a distance, you think, okay, what does that have to do with investing? But it, you know, the stock market is a very complex system and there's lots of different levers and things going on. And so he studies things like ant colonies because those have very similar characteristics. There's lots of, there's lots of emotion. There's lots of, you know, hierarchy. There's lots of politics that go on. And, and there's also lots of, you know, chemical things going on as well. So all that stuff relates to the stock market. And when, when you read about what he's reading about, it just makes it, you know, it, it's just the information you could take in and make you think a, a different way. And I wholeheartedly agree with what Andrew said about the reading, the READ. It may be boring and it's not a sexy way to get, you know, good at investing, but it is the way to quote the Mandalorian. It's the way. It's the only way to get better at it is just doing it and spending the time to build the knowledge because like everything else, the knowledge will compound. And like Andrew said, over a, a decade, you will be shocked at what you know versus when you started. If you look back on it, in any way, shape, or form, you'll be flabbergasted by how much you know now compared to what you used to know. You think there's anything we missed as far as something from 2014 to now for you personally? I don't think so. I think, I think the, really the only thing that I guess I would I would say is be open to change and be okay with evolving. You know, the way that you start investing may not necessarily be the way that you end investing. And it doesn't mean that you've sold out or changed the way that you invest. It just means that the more you learn, the more you adapt to what is going to work best for you. And what you may think you know at the beginning, you may not know at the end. And uh, it, the, the way that you invest will probably evolve the more that you learn and study and see what happens in the markets. And I think you need to be open to that. And it's okay to stay in one way, shape or form if that fits your personality and whatnot. But, you know, I would encourage you to, to be open to uh, taking in as many inputs as you can and then trying to find out what, what works best for you, but be willing to change your mind. <laughs> All right. Well, everyone, that is going to wrap up our show for this week. Uh, don't forget so, to subscribe to the show on your preferred podcast app. If you enjoyed our little show, if you would kindly consider giving us a review, it greatly helps our show. And don't forget to browse the incredible materials we've created for you at einvestingforbeginners.com. Lastly, continue growing your knowledge as an Investing for Beginners insider with insights and educational tips delivered right to your inbox for free. Sign up today. And with that, we will go ahead and wrap up our show. You guys go out there and invest with a margin of safety, emphasis on the safety. Have a great week and we'll talk to you all next week. We hope you enjoyed this content. Seven Steps to Understanding the Stock Market 
shows you precisely how to break down the numbers in an engaging and readable way with real-life examples. Get access today at stockmarketpdf.com. Until next time, have a prosperous day. The information contained is for general information and educational purposes only. It is not intended for a substitute for legal, commercial, and or financial advice from a licensed professional. Review our full disclaimer at einvestingforbeginners.com.